0: This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting, different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Here we are, Dr. Charles Parker, one more time at Core Brain Journal, and we have a very interesting guest right now in line with a very hot topic that we talk about very often here. We've got a whole VETS page on stress and combat stress. We just had a very interesting interview with a psychiatrist who talked about uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy with with, uh, Hemingway's brain. And today we have very interesting John Kennedy, who is going to talk a great deal about neuroplasticity from an angle that many of us here, including myself, have not heard about before. Welcome, John. We're pleased to have you. Hi, Chuck. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. So what we'll do is start with a little word from our sponsors, and then we'll go ahead and get on with a little more thorough uh, introduction. So first of all, you listeners already know how much we love the reality of data here at CBJ. And today we welcome our clinical friend and new sponsor partner, Direct Health Access Laboratory. They set a new standard for methylation, cryptopyral, and copper challenges that directly affect brain function. And remember this, folks, if they can serve professionals in Nigeria, they can certainly help you out in Fargo. Stay tuned. More later. And then, in addition, you CBJ listeners also know how much we appreciate detailed improvements of Mind Care And today, we're pleased to welcome a new CBJ sponsor and partner with a deep interest in fresh options to address the complexity of adolescent treatment failure, both nationally and internationally, for residential care and is built TRICARE-friendly. The Barry Robinson Center provides a holistic residential care environment that sets children, teens, and families on the path to Improved healing. And from personal experience, I know their work with families we've shared a truly different residential experience. More in a moment. Now, let me tell you about John here. John is a pioneer in the field, get this folks, of applied neuroplasticity. He was originally contracted by the U.S. Marines in 2006 to develop the first targeted neuroplasticity training program to reduce casualties. In combat and improve warfighting capabilities. Fasten your seatbelts. <sighs> Just a few hours of combat brain training improves focus and situational awareness and accelerates mental and physical reaction times. Several years ago, John migrated the program of, to the civilian sector with similar results. His previous trainees have included Marines, snipers, special ops forces and their instructors pilots professional athletes business people students children and those suffering from brain trauma including tbi ptsd and a variety of different concussions i'm sure including chronic traumatic encephalopathy which we just talked about they've all had their lives positively changed by this very interesting program and we're looking forward to hearing about john so So what are you up to right now? Tell
1: us a little (laughs) bit about yourself personally, John, and then we'll get
0: started with the topic.
1: Well, thanks, Chuck. So basically, I'm trying to, you know, like all of us, we're in this to help people. And so um, the limiting factor to now has really been me. So um, what I'm really working on now is I'm partnering with a company to try to develop a certification process so we can get more people certified to do what I do. We're also working on an online delivery program, um, primarily for schools. I've had tremendous success with school kids in the inner city here in Chicago. Mm. Um, One particular pilot we did last year, um, I showed the teacher how to do the exercises and he, you know, three times a week over the course of eight weeks, and their ACT scores went up three full points, not because of testing, but because they were learning better, remembering faster. So that's huge for kids. That is huge. Fantastic. So working with some ministries here in Chicago to do the same thing, to help kids. So kids and athletes. So So
0: now we'll talk a little bit about exactly what this is, because I'll tell you, we have an audience that's terribly interesting in the big picture, but I think you're bringing it down. I don't think, I know, you're bringing it down to some really very specific, proactive things. It's not like, okay, you've got brain injury, here's what we do now, which you do cover, I'm sure but how can we set individuals who are exposed to the possibility of traumatic injury into getting their mindset on the front end?
1: Well, it's interesting. So, so as you mentioned, neuroplasticity, which is just odd. I mean, that's, that's God's amazing ability. He gave us for our brains to change. And there are so many excellent programs out there. Our approach is just a little bit different and we pretty much complement everybody else. What we, when the Marines first contracted me to, to develop this, um, there was some very critical research out of MIT that said that with robust stimulation, the brain will change almost instantaneously. And so, my background was is not I'm not a, a psychiatrist and I'm not a, a neuroscientist. My background was um, process and project management consulting to very, very senior leaders, typically CEOs, CIOs, so forth, big companies like Motorola and Aon. And when my brother came back from Iraq. And said, look, IEDs, improvised explosive devices are killing us over there. Can you help being a consultant, right? There's gotta be a way to do this. So if we can make the brain more efficient the same way I was doing for organizations and use neuroplasticity as the medium, then maybe if the brain's more efficient, it could think faster, it could actually develop intuition, which is what we can do. We found out afterwards, but the problem was you get in the Marine Corps, right? And if they're not sitting around, you know, like okay, let's schedule some meetings. It's like, <laughs> and you got to embed with these guys for three months to develop the program, which was the most amazing experience for me. I love the Marines. Some of those guys are still my best friends, um, But experiencing uh, what they were going through during their training, while we developed the exercises, um, because we and we we had to rely on this research out of MIT because there wasn't any long term. There's no long Time, so we had to come up with exercises that could change the brain very, very quickly. Um, the results actually were were far beyond what we thought. We actually, the, the I asked for the my, my pilot platoon to be the worst platoon in the battalion, and phenomenal guys, but they'd really struggled. They lost sixteen guys a cycle before, so a lot of PTSD, some depression. Three guys had tried to commit suicide. Three months later they were the best performing platoon in the battalion and then the following month when they went to their final pre-deployment training in california at mojave viper um at 29 palms um the instructor said it was the best performance you'd ever seen so mm-hmm. dramatic improvements um and you know just really really incredible but the when that was the very genesis of this and it, the, since then it's been 10 years of continuous improvement continuous research and just trying to just take advantage of the fact that with robust stimulation, um, the brain will change almost instantaneously. It's just- well,
0: this is interesting. Now, let's take a moment because there are some acronyms here. Okay. And we, get, we get, with brain studies and core brain, we're, we're doing acronyms all the time. And the acronym, which was introduced to me when I was reading your material here, is CBT. Right. And And so let's break CBT down for those innocents like myself. So we know we're talking about
1: CBT and then let's talk about how you do it a little bit, if you don't mind. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Well, CBT. And so that's why what I realized is I expanded, you know, most people think of CBT as cognitive behavioral therapy, which is very different. I call it CBT because it, which stands for combat brain training because basically um, that's the genesis of this. It was it was Marines, um, you know, and then, you know, SEAL snipers and, and those guys pre-deployment, right? We needed to get them at their peak because they have the best training. They've got the, be- the very experience. But that missing component really is mental processing efficiency, and that's the piece that we provided. So initially it was developed to help, you know, guys stay alive and perform better in combat. What happened, we found, was when they came back, You doing the same exercise, it significantly accelerated their recovery from TBI and and, and PTSD and so forth. And so everything kind of is around you know around combat. So that's where that name came from. Um, But but as you mentioned before, the real program is targeting neuroplasticity training to specific parts of the brain that we want to perform better. Now, do you
0: evaluate that on the front end, John? Do you? Do you actually pre select people with certain troubles and have them do certain techniques based on those troubles? Or do you have kind of a larger
1: picture? How does all that work? That's, very, that's a great question. So basically, um, <laughs> it's kind of a yes and no answer. Mm-hmm. right? So, so our brains work the same. So believe it or not, uh, the same exercise I use for a Navy SEAL, I use for a fourth grader with learning disabilities. Fantastic. Interesting. And the key is a robust stimulation. I'm sure your readers have heard of neural, um, 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 what am I? Um, luminosity and some of those digital luminosity. Uh, yep. And as you know, probably they were fined by the FTC for false advertising. And the reason is that digital interface is not powerful enough to change our brains. Robust stimulation requires all parts of our brain: our eyes, our ears, our mouth, our hands, our legs. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen them, um, there's a diagram called the humunculus, and basically it's a, a graphic representation about how our brain sees us, the parts of the body that with the most connections to the brain look larger. And so we need to incorporate as many of those as possible in anything we do to really physically stimulate the brain. You know, another uh, thing, I don't know if you had um, speakers on about this, but there's another big concern now about that digital interface, especially with kids, some developing something called digital dementia. And they found in studies that kids that are exposed to that digital screen too young and for too long by their early twenties are already starting to exhibit signs of dementia. So Mm. we do not want, we want to get away from the screen as much as possible. Um, But, um, but yeah, that's, we got to engage all parts of the brain.
0: That's very interesting. I'm sure people will be excited to hear about that. So then when you say engage, And when you talk about the complexity and the comprehensive nature of what you do, Mm -hmm. do you still, the question still comes down to you, do you do it in sections? Like you do hands first
1: and then eyes, you do eye, hand. How how does all that work? Actually, we do the brain first. So we start out by just having a series of symbols that you have to identify. And that actually improves executive function because executive function is the key to everything. Uh, we then start to integrate patterns. And then pattern recognition is another huge skill. It determines our ability to learn, to remember. To use, for athletes, it's huge your patterns, your the opponent's patterns. Um, and then we start to integrate, um, make them harder, which requires focus, right? So focus naturally improves. It's great for, for kids with ADHD. Um, because what we've found is if you consciously try to focus, your brain will wander. But if you give the brain a very simple task that requires focus, Naturally, focus will improve. So we make the brain faster. I mean, processing speed is huge, especially, as you know, people suffering from traumatic brain injury. Processing speed is one of those symptoms that's so debilitating. So we can significantly improve processing speed. And then we integrate the hands. When you integrate the hands, you're integrating the propriocentric parts of the brain, right? So we're getting the movement parts in. Uh, We're balancing the brain. And then, especially for athletes and for kids, uh, we integrate the feet. As well, so when the feet, the hands, the brain is all moving at the same time, trying to you know execute on these um, on these symbols, it really, really creates that robust stimulation that makes the brain change fast.
0: It's interesting. Do you do it with a computer? Do you do it from papers on a table? Do you do it yeah. stand on your head activity kind of things?
1: <laughs> Well, no, Greg, but actually, we don't use a computer, and that's the, that's the key, right? The, the problem is with the computer screen, is two-dimensional, it's just way too shallow to stimulate the brain. So we do use paper, we use um, objects, we use things that are actually tangible that you have to hold um, and look at. I mean, you probably um, have studied this as well, but, you know, even reading a book uses the, more of the brain than just reading on a screen. Everything we do on a screen is just very, very shallow. Um, not that it 's not a great way to read, especially carrying a lot of books but um, I, what I do in my class, I like and if you remember the old George Jetson cartoons right George Jetson would be lying on his uh, sofa watching the guy work out on the screen <laughs> well that 's kind of like doing brain training on a screen right your brain's really not doing a lot of work. you think you are, and you get better at the grain, at the games study I mean studies have showed this now for years, but you don 't actually stimulate the brain to change. You actually need to have. Um, something that's analog and I call it being analog in the digital world. So it's yeah. in
0: reality. You actually yes. have to deal with reality yes. as opposed to images of reality.
1: Yes, absolutely. That's, yeah.
0: that, 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 that's a very big differentiation because so much of what we're doing with technology does deal with more images than the reality itself or representations right. of reality right. right? rather than the reality of its, itself. So let me ask you this question then. How long does this take? This is a very natural question. I'm sure in our, in our listeners are interested in this. But yeah. do you do? Do you have? Is it a six week program? Is it a two week program? Where do you start? When do you end? How many hours a day is it? What? Ha- how does all that happen?
1: And and, and again, that it's, it's it's blown me away over the years. As we as the program gets better and better, the speed of change has improved. One of the neuroscientists um, that's been helping me from the University of Chicago, after studying this, said that um The robust stimulation that you are doing can create more uh, postsynaptic receptors, and those solidify in as little as 20 minutes. Which means that you know that there's more uh, neurotransmitters jumping across the synapses. You're basically increasing the bandwidth of the neural network. That that solidifies as little as 20 minutes, and then it opens a window of long-term potentiation, which is key to learning and memory. Why this is so powerful for learning. So typically. Um, I work with people again remotely via Skype, FaceTime, or Zoom, or in person with classes. Typically, after just one hour session, people's processing speed is measurably faster, as well as your focus um, and all these other skills. I'm at. I'm always amazed at what the feedback I get from people. It's, you know, I, typically people go through the training for a specific reason. Like quarterback, professional quarterback, I'm training. He wants to be a better quarterback. But guess what? You no know, he he he's, he's seeing cars out when he's driving faster, he's less stressed with his wife. All these other things are happening in his life because his brain is more efficient and faster in addition to what his original goal was
0: Hmm. now let you, the the last thing you said I couldn't quite understand it
1: he That quarterback is having trouble in some respects. Say what you just said again. <clears throat> No. So, so basically, so anyone I've trained, so he's, a, he's an example, but he, he goes to the training because he wants to excel at his sport. And athletes yep. love the training because they're already disciplined, right? And, and as you know, neuroplasticity is about repetition. So during the sessions, I work with people, show them how to do the exercises, give them a really major workout, just like going to a gym, but then they practice on their own. Okay. And so when they practice on their own, but it's only, we're talking about just a few minutes a day, really. Um, they continue to make those changes.
0: So when he's in the car with his wife, what you were saying, he has the opportunity to actually, in a relatively quiescent way, practice. He knows what he's doing with his brain when he's actually driving. Is that correct?
1: Well, yes and no. Basically, what's happening is because his brain is faster and more focused, he's able to you know, anticipate where cars are moving better and also oh, I see. Okay. communicate with his wife um, better and so forth. Um, and it's you know someone once said, you know, this is kind of like because obviously the athletes they work out. So if you can think, imagine lifting weights, right? You're five pound, ten pound, twenty pounds, mm-hmm. you get to the point where you're doing 25 pound curls, for example, eventually it becomes very easy. It's not because the weight is lighter, it's because your body's stronger. Gotcha. And so we do is give the brain such an intense workout in a short amount of time that the processing goes down into what neuroscientists call a zombie system. Basically the goal is to take system two processes and make them system one processes. I don't know if you read Kahneman's no, book. Please so, explain please. that. That's, that's important. So, so, so he calls system one, Kahneman's thinking fast and slow. It's an excellent book. And he yeah, calls, that is a, it is a great book. Yeah. And he talks about system one being the fast kind of unconscious processes and system mm-hmm. two, the more deliberate. We just differentiate them as conscious and unconscious. And so An example I use um, often is if you can imagine the first time you're driving a car, right? So I remember learning how to drive a car with my mom, right? So mom, be quiet. Turn out the radio. I'm going to kill somebody, right? I'm (laughs) 16-year-old driving this 2,000-pound machine. It takes all my conscious effort to keep the car on the road. Now you drive a car, you don't even think about it, right? It's the same amount of mental work, but your brain, because our brains tend to be lazy, they try to push things into the unconscious. So it's taken all that effort, made it unconscious. So now my conscious mind is free to be aware and alert and, and, and you know talk to people and so forth. And that's what we're trying to do with the thinking process. Gotcha, so if the gotcha. thinking process is unconscious, our brain is continuously making those decisions unconsciously, which frees our conscious mind to be less stressed, more focused, and more relaxed. Well, you said another thing that's very interesting, and that
0: is the uh, neuroph- neurophysiologic implications of increasing neurotransmitter receptor sites. Now that went by pretty quickly, but yeah. I know some of our listeners are going to have their socks roll up and down on that one. Uh, <laughs> do, do you, is there some evidence for that? That, that, that how, how does all that happen?
1: What's your well, experience with it? So according to his research, because it, he, that's one of the responses to the external, to the external stimulation. So like our bodies, you know, get stronger when we lift weights. Our brain responds the same way. When it has to work hard, it has to respond to keep up. And so, one of those responses is the increased postsynaptic receptors. And so that's what then makes you know. But then they and they last, right? So so your brain is it's like it's like pushing the accelerator in your car to go fast. Well, now you don't have to go fast, but you're still going fast because mm-hmm. you made those those changes.
0: Well, you know it's so interesting because with Dr. Bill Walsh, one of the things we 're really interested in he's uh, our most downloaded guy at zero two five on methylation, and he 's talking about increasing the effectiveness and the efficiency, I should say, of presynaptic receptors hmm. you know and you can and, and yeah. those presynaptic receptors are actually recycling neurotransmitters, yeah right, and if they're right. working efficiently and effectively that recycling process takes place at a pace which ma- matches effectively synaptic activity in a constructive oh. way as opposed to speeding it up or slowing it down yeah, interesting and now you're talking about postsynaptic receptors right and it's it's very very interesting because <laughs> you know for uh, for me being a psychiatrist we've been so excited to know a little bit about transmitters themselves you know this this neurotransmitter can be Collected by this medication, but right. what we, where we are, we're way, way past that. Right. right, right. So then, tell us an example, if you will. Uh, I'm sure that some of us uh, here are very interested, and in, we we'll, we're going to include this on the vets page. Our vets page in combat yeah. stress is going to is a, a big page. We've got over, uh, I think now it's 20, 22 uh, episodes right. over there with different people talking about recovery from combat stress. But tell us a little bit more about specific examples with individuals who then came in with a certain measure of incapacity, and then some specifics of what you did to enhance their. Uh, evolution and 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 their recovery, if you can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, traumatic brain injury is is a serious injury for everybody. And I actually love working with people who are struggling with that because, you know, I can work with a professional athlete who's already high performing; he wants to get a little bit better performing. But someone who's gone through an injury like that, they just want to get back to where they were. now I'm working with a young man with a severe concussion, and uh, um, he said the doctors keep saying comparing me to normal. He said I don't want to be normal; I want to be where i was before which you know was better than normal Mm -hmm. and probably the most dramatic in fact the first time i really had an opportunity to 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 gauge the effect to help people wounded warriors with the words of the marine corps was the marines had hired me to uh, to go out to quantico and train their rifle and pistol teams because it's extremely beneficial to marksmanship and i was walking down the hallway um, of the um, headquarters building, and I ran into um, Gunny Sergeant Tom Leu, who I, I had worked with a couple years before um, as part of some training. He said, Mr. Kennedy, I got to tell you my story. I went to Afghanistan. I got blown up. I woke up uh, in the hospital, and they, they told me they, they did my testing. They said my neuroscience score was a 35, and I thought, I'm never getting out of here. I had your exercises with me in my um, BDUs when, when they brought me in, so they brought them to me. I did them every day for a month and a month later my neuroscience score was a 97 now i'm the planning officer for a battalion Whew. so typical marine in his humble fashion i'm sorry for taking your time and i'm like are you kidding me you just made my life worth worthwhile right mm-hmm. and so from then on we tried to find more and more did a lot of volunteer work with some of the um, wounded warriors and the same thing with post-traumatic stress disorder one of the one of the guys who had severe um flashbacks. He said, you know, I'd go out to dinner with my wife, she'd pour ketchup on her burger, and all I could see was these horrific scenes from um, Afghanistan. And he said, but after your training, I, I can sense when those situations you're going to have, and I can quickly get to the right because I know that's not what I'm supposed to do. And I'm going through psychology, they're, they're helping me with what I'm supposed to do. But I'm just able to get there much quicker. Um, yeah. And again, this other young man uh, with a severe concussion, you know, you know, very slow processing speed, and um, very frustrated with the neurologists at, at the, where they were um, treating him because they have him write essays and do Sudoku and stuff, which wasn't doing much. And then we did a few sessions of this, and he's, he passes neuropsych tests test for his driver's test, and he's just ecstatic about the results.
0: Well, this is very interesting. We're going to take a little break here and uh, have a word from our sponsors. But when I come back, one of the things I want to ask you, which is relevant to so many people, is what's the larger implication of dealing with numbers of people who have these issues? The question I'm going to ask you is, can you do a group? Is it only individual? And then if you do the group, how do you pace that group and understand how their progress occurs. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Well, folks, you know as well as I do that psychiatric treatment failure, especially after multiple medication trials and those very, very brief hospitalizations may prove insufficient to deal at home with the complexity of troubled children and and those adolescents from 6 to 17 years old. Improved care, those next mandatory steps should include a more comprehensive approach to address those multiple levels of challenges, from family to peers to school, diagnostically from defiance to depression, on every level for families, including military families, internationally. The Barry Robinson Center's 32-acre open college-like campus in Norfolk, Virginia, provides safety and security and clean, comfortable living How do we know we refer folks over there all the time, strongly endorse what they're doing? So for further information and informed interview, connect at this page, barryrobinson.org forward slash core. Well, you folks already know that here at Core Brain Journal, we're on a mission to introduce you to resources that make significant contributions to the investigation of those predictable mind science applications. Our colleagues at DHA Lab Group provide a real difference with treatment options for people at every level, from first awareness of mind problems to those frustrating times when even well-informed treatment becomes surprisingly unpredictable. For my entire professional life, from psychoanalysis to brain scans, I've searched for, yes, improved predictability. The good news for all of us, from professionals to patients, remarkably effective research offers useful cost-effective, organic options far beyond guesswork with psychiatric medications alone. DHA lab tests measure unbalanced biomedical details through easily available testing, now available globally for a variety of molecular answers from, for example, methylation, copper, and cryptopyrrole challenges. Check in for more details at dhalab.com core. That's D H A lab.com forward slash core. Okay, we're back, folks. Now, this is totally interesting interview, isn't it? I mean, we have a chance to talk to a guy who is making such an important difference in people's lives and people who look like, hey, we're done. We're, it's over. Life is over. I might as well shoot myself. By the way, that I'm sure is what happened to Hemingway. And he had an additional problem. You'll hear about it and in, in, uh, when you listen to Dr. Farah talk about it from Hemingway's brain. But, uh, you know, he came back from shock treatments at the Mayo mm. Clinic and just got his brain blasted apart, thinking mm. his problem was depression, completely missing uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy from injuries since he was a kid. Mm. And uh, he documents brain injury after brain injury in his life. So let's go back to that other question that we had just before we stopped. How do you deal with larger groups? How does, how
1: does all that break down, if you don't mind? Well, actually, large groups are a lot of fun because there's actually another dynamic. And I've done large groups. I did 110 Marines in a in an old church in Okinawa. I did 150 airmen uh, of the National Guard. And when you get a group of people together, there's kind of a synergistic kind of bonding that happens when everybody's working their brains together at the same time because they're fun, they're laughing, people make mistakes, they laugh. And so we can do large groups. Um, someday I'd like to have a thousand people in Rome. I don't know how that would work. <laughs> But because uh, they say everything out loud, right? So it's kind of very energizing when they're going through the, the process. Um, but you're right. You know, so right now, that's one of the reasons we're trying to develop the certification process um, to certify other people how to do this um, and try to find other ways to, um, you know, just to get it out there, to, to help more people. Um, it's, it's actually very easy to do. It, 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 it's something that could be – it doesn't compete with anything else, but it supports – things. I've got a marriage counselor in Chicago that wants to integrate it as part of his marriage therapy. I've got other, you know, um, doctors and so forth who are looking at it to maybe add it as a, as a complement to the stuff they're already doing. Um,
0: and so I, how does I, that
1: work uh, with a group then, John? Do you have them do a task together? How, yes. So, so the symbols, I mentioned that we have these symbols on a piece of paper that they have to identify. And so they all do it together. Um it's kind of funny. So I, anytime a group when I have them together, the first time I do is I have them have them read them off on their own. Um, you know, and they get about halfway down the page and everybody's lost. They're laughing, they just can't keep up. And I do that as an example to show how inefficient our minds typically are, because they get distracted, right? They're not focused, they're not, you know, they're not they lose track. And so after, you know, after 40 minutes or so, maybe even half an hour, depends on how far we get. Because we then break it down into smaller groups of symbols, and we make the brain work harder. We work in anticipate intuition. We call it cognitively prime anticipation, where they have to anticipate something changing. We work pattern recognition. It improves their focus. So, you know, 40 minutes later, I have them do the same thing, and they're all together, all on track, and nobody gets lost. So it's a very powerful um, sign to them that, that even that, that hard work is, pay, is paying off. Now, the key is we call a progressively accelerated cognitive exertion. What happens is if we give the brain, or any of us we give a task that's too hard, we get discouraged. So we lead them through the program, and each variation is just slightly harder. And so they rise to the occasion. It's great for self-confidence, but every time they, go, uh, they accomplish something a little bit harder, they feel better. Um, I mean, I've worked with people with depression. It's made a huge difference with them as well. Um, but then they really feel good at the end because they look back and they see how far they've come. Um, and especially if it's as a group, it's like a shared experience.
0: Well, it seems like you're actually changing the way individuals view their world. I, you could say that, I guess. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a right. whole larger thing. Like this is right. what you thought your world was, but your perceptions yeah. were off. This is what your world actually is. And then because you can see what it actually is, then you can deal with it more
1: effectively. Yeah. Well, that's true because, you know, it, it removes, um, you know, self-limiting doubts, right? How, how often do, we, do people hold themselves back because they believe they can't do something? So they oh. go through a whole process of it. And, you know, and another cool thing is after about an hour, I say, okay, look what you just did, right? If I'd asked you to do that the first time you would have walked out on me, which mm-hmm. is totally true because yeah. the accomplished is something so much harder than they thought they could when they started and they did it with ease. And so, and again, that's how fast the brain changes, but um, it's very, very empowering.
0: Well, John, I know uh, others in our audience are thinking right now, they're driving their car to work and they're like, oh my gosh, now this guy dropped a hint a couple times about training. So tell us a little bit about your training protocol. Is it uh, a one-week training? Can you do it in three days on a weekend? Do you have to go somewhere? How how does the training take place?
1: That's a great question. So I typically do it off-site, or I do uh, for individuals in small groups. And I've you know trained some army officers in the UK a whole cadre this way. I do it like you are doing with Zoom um, or Skype or Facetime. I can do small groups remotely or in person, um, um, or small groups for individuals. Um, larger groups are in person. Um, I've done like corporate retreats. I've done, uh, athletic teams and so forth. Well, they'll have me come in and work with them. Now for an individual typically we'll do, or even that, that group of um, British army officers, we do a session a week over the course of six weeks. And so, um, and they practice in between for larger groups. Typically we'll do like two, three hour sessions we can do. I have done in the past. I, I kind of discourage a full day of brain training because they, they get so so yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Ouch. It's better to do that. But another way that works well is integrating it into something else. So if they're, if they're at a class, like an offsite class for something else, and we start with some brain training, and we, you know, we interject a couple hours over the course of that time, they'll remember what they're um they're doing actually, and they'll and they'll learn it faster as well. So it's very See, flexible this is, that way. This is so terribly
0: interesting. You don't know this about me, but one of the uh, songs that I've been singing so uh, vocally for a long period of time is the concept of cognitive anxiety that is so abundant with individuals who suffer with executive dysfunction. Yeah. And so what happens is they, and you said it a moment ago, so articulately, they they can't make their minds up because they can't sort through the material and they have an unmanageable cognitive abundance that keeps them from getting down to sort it out and make that selection. I mean, right. I mean, I, I think you've got a whole nother job with dating sites here, you know. <laughs> you, <laughs> say, you know,
1: <laughs> forget meet me for lunch. This is a whole different thing. <laughs> it, it's funny you mentioned that. I did a, I did a group. Um, I did a, like an hour kind of a session to this group in Chicago whatever. And I said, you know, tell me what you think, whatever. It's kind of a promo thing. And I got this email from this young man. He goes, you know, I'm the shyest guy in the world. But on the way back, I stopped in this bar. There was a young lady there. I started talking to her. I was reading bio-language. I, I felt great. You know, I got her number. <laughs> said, I'll take credit for that, you know, but you never know, right? So yeah. It's yeah,
0: you could, it's, it's a whole side job. I keep thinking about uh, a side job of talking to hairdressers for the same reason. Yeah. Because right. hairdressers do so much psychotherapy. They do. Yeah. Right? If we, if we right. could just get the hair tra- hairdressers of the world trained properly, <laughs> think of what the positive effect of society would be. Great great idea.
1: There's your shark tank moment right there. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so then take it one more step down the road. So when you say a session, your ordinary session would be maybe even somewhere between a half
1: an hour and an hour. Yeah. Something about 50 minutes, 50, 50 minutes, minutes. I got yep. you. And the very first one, I do an assessment, but the and I know I get all their information, their goals, and so forth. But typically, I can observe them by how they perform the exercise, and that provides a customization going forward because all of us really have a different makeup of you know kind of our our ability to process in some very specific areas, specific ways, and that all that mix determines our performance. And so, if we have weaker mental processes, Remember, I'm a process guy. right? my background. So I look at everything in terms of processes. So mm-hmm. we, have, we have weaker processes. Um, our stronger ones will compensate. So some of these processes are our ability to recognize shape, um, our ability to executive function, pattern recognition, analysis, and so forth. And so we just work those the areas where they're weakest, and they get the biggest uh, improvements fastest.
0: Sounds very interesting. You know, another thought that occurred to me would be, uh, one of the things that we see happen regarding regarding cognitive dissonance in an individual's development uh, academically are changes in the landscape,
1: yeah, right, uh, academic right.
0: landscape. So sixth grade is a big transition year because they lean on them more and there's more uh, dissociation because you're not in a single class oftentimes. I, my thought, just with what you're talking about, gets kind of exciting thinking about make it a prerequisite for junior high, yeah, absolutely. you know, and then, and then make it a prerequisite for high school Yeah, and then have it as a senior executive class the last
1: half of the senior year before you go off to college. No, that'd be absolutely right. And, you know, another area where we're actually working in transition, because you mentioned vets, is we have some initiatives out there right now to help in the BET transition center. Uh, 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 yeah. process Because that's huge, right? To go from the military to the civilian world, especially have some issues. And that's a huge area where it can help transition.
0: Well, and here's where you can get into the tribes concept. And Sebastian Younger has talked about this in his book, Tribes. He's, okay. he's written about coming back. You know, he's the guy that wrote The Perfect Storm. Very oh, okay. articulate. Spent some time in the, in, in the woods with the guys. And came back, and he talked about how shocking it was to come back into this yeah. relative disorganization associated right. with right. our society, right. and the confusion that occurred after the training and the uh, increased awareness. Perhaps not in the formal training that that you would be, uh, you know, encouraging and, and participating in, but. Certainly, you have increased awareness. If you're going to die over there, you're going to be really paying attention. And who your friends are are darned important. Come back and the whole thing goes into 52 pickup. And a lot of people just become overwhelmed by the change of that reality, apropos of what what you were just saying.
1: right? Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, this has been a fantastic meeting. I'm gonna hook you up with some of these other people I told you great. about offline. Yeah, thank you. Because you would make a great contribution over there. They would love to have you. This is such an interesting and encouraging conversation. This is the reason that we're doing at CoreBrain what we're doing is talking to people like you because this, this is going to be, uh, you know, it already is, I'm sure, but it's, just, it's amazing to hear about it. You start thinking about the people who are looking for different vehicles to get unstuck from that right. lost awareness. And you're actually coming right in there and directly affecting brain function. We've, we've had some very good people talking about yoga,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: you know, talking about meditation. We just interviewed a really interesting guy who has uh, a lot to say about the meditative experience in a, in a very constructive way. But this kind of brings it together with an action plan. You know, it's
1: like, bingo. It's, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I've had p- people in my class say, this is mindfulness I can do. <laughs> yeah. It's active, you know, you, it, especially Marines and athletes. They, they sit down, they do this for a couple of minutes, they do an exercise for a couple of minutes, and they're, they're sharper, more relaxed, and so forth. Um, and it complements those. Oh, those are excellent programs. It just complements those.
0: Well, listeners, I'm going to tell you, uh, it's been really nice because John Kennedy has given us a PDF, Combat Brain Training Ultimate Mental Performance Accelerator for Elite Athletes and Combat Brain Training Mental Recovery Program. This PDF is going to be downloadable down below in the show notes. So jump on the show notes. Furthermore, we're going to have links to John's website and training over there. So John, before we wind up, why don't you leave that with us so people know where to go if they don't get to the show notes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So our website is www.combatbraintraining.com. Don't forget the brain part. We're not <laughs> teaching you how to do combat. <laughs> right. Combat brain training. We're going to teach you how to make your brain more efficient so it can handle any type of combat. And one of our, actually our, our byword is, you know, created for the warfighter, but everybody has a battle to win right? We all have battles we need to win.
0: Isn't that so true?
1: Yep, absolutely. The
0: metaphor goes into everyday life. And if we're really doing it right, everyday life becomes a little bit easier.
1: Yep. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Well, uh, we would like
0: to invite you back right now for another time. uh, And I think what you do is you pick the topic. And uh, if you have some particular um, activity that you think would be worthy of taking it down to the next level of something you think people should know about, please come back. We would love to have you back. You're very articulate. You're very interesting to speak with. And you can just follow those minds in that group, uh, changing the way they think. I mean, it's just really very interesting. We really appreciate it.
1: Well, thanks, Chuck. I really appreciate this. Obviously, I'm excited, but I love to talk about it. So yeah. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Well, very much. It's
0: great having you on, John. We'll have you back sometime. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Chuck. Thanks for listening to CoreBrain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because, as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications like those written for ADHD are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.